Hey there, and welcome to another edition of Inside Intercom. Today's guest is a fun one, in that whether you're a product builder or simply an avid consumer of tech, he's created a product and a community that you're likely engaging with on a regular basis. I'm joined in the studio by Ryan Hoover, and that product of his is, of course, Product Hunt, the place to geek out about the newest things in tech or for makers to share and get feedback on their latest creations. Product Hunt was born out of a side project, a simple email list when Ryan was working as a product manager in the gaming world. He's written countless essays about product for places like Forbes, Fast Company, TechCrunch, and The Next Web, and was a contributing writer on one of the premier books on engagement, That's Hooked, How to Build Habit-Forming Products. It's been a big year for Ryan. Late in 2016, Product Hunt was acquired by AngelList, and more recently, he's gotten into angel investing himself with his recently announced The Weekend Fund. Additionally, Product Hunt has dipped its toe into selling tools for makers with Ship, a kit to help startups generate demand, build email lists, communicate with their users, and ultimately ship product. In our chat, Ryan gives us some insight into how he recruited his early users, the personal ways he's onboarded folks at Product Hunt, what he thinks about the way marketers use his platform today, and the most effective ways we can engage the Product Hunt community. If you like what you hear, want to check out more Inside Intercom interviews, you can subscribe to our show over at iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And if you're interested in giving Product Hunt's new ship tools a try, Ryan's offering Inside Intercom listeners 20% off of pro plans. Simply use the code INTERCOMFRIENDS, all one word, when you're signing up. But now let's get to the good stuff and hop into the studio with Ryan Hoover. You're listening to Inside Intercom. Intercom, making internet business personal at scale. Learn more at intercom.com. Ryan, welcome to the show. Hi, Adam. So I think many of our listeners are very familiar with Product Hunt's origin story by now, so I'll spare you the pain of having to rehash those details here. But can you, just to get us started, briefly give us some background into what you were doing before you became a founder and what your role at Product Hunt constitutes today? Yeah, yeah. So I grew up in Oregon. I won't go I won't go too far back, but I grew up in Oregon and ended up moving to Portland right after college and stumbled into a startup and, and stumbled into a product management role. I was there for about a year, year and a half before I ended up moving to San Francisco to join another company also as a product manager. And, you know, that experience led me to, well, learn a ton of things. Uh, first off, I think product management in many ways is the closest, most relevant role to, I think, a CEO role in many cases, at least in the earliest stages, because it involves talking to everyone in the company from sales to engineering to design, uh, external customers, things like that. And also in many ways, shaping the product, which is what most CEOs are responsible for in the first, you know, early days, at least until you hit maybe 20 people. Usually the CEO is, is often the product manager to some extent. So I uh, ended up working at that startup for about three and a half years before eventually leaving and, and then starting Product Hunt, you know, initially as a side project in the very beginning. And then, of course, you know, you've got to find a way to be able to sell the value of whatever you're creating to as well. But I think that has a lot of common tie-ins with product management too. Absolutely. So I think one of my favorite questions to ask founders when they've come on the show and you get a whole slew of really interesting, scrappy answers to this is how did you get your first X number of customers, be it 100, 200, whatever the number might be. But in your case, I think it's particularly interesting because with Product Hunt, you had to be very selective about who those early users would be. You needed them to ultimately be influencers and be able to really start cultivating the early bits and pieces of this community. So Talk to me a little bit about your early recruiting efforts. I mean, what worked for you? What didn't work? You know, so I'll even maybe mention things that that 
I did or, or just happened to, to occur well before Product Hunt even came up as an idea. You know, before Product Hunt, I was, you know, actively writing and blogging about different things. Like a lot of it was around product design and playing with different products from Snapchat to Tinder, kind of almost curious, like, why are these products so compelling or why do they do this? And trying to almost deconstruct those ideas. So I was doing a lot of writing, really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, it started, uh, I think in 2013, I wrote 150 blog posts, which after, wow. like by the end of the year, I counted up. I was like, wow, I really wrote a lot. And uh, I really enjoyed that. And so that gave me a tiny bit of cred- credibility and a tiny bit of an audience well before Product Hunt, which allowed me to then, you know, spread the news when Product Hunt, you know, initially started to say, hey, here's this thing that I'm working on. It's an, just an experiment. You know, I love discovering products. I know you do too. Do you want to check this out and kind of be a part of the community? And because I built that small audience at the beginning, it allowed me to then get it off the ground or at least get some sort of critical mass of people using it. Because after all, Product Hunt is entirely from day one, a community curated and generated product. And that's what allowed sort of the first, let's say, 100, 200, 300 people to come on board and, and engage. And so once we had sort of that base, then the next step was, okay, how do we continue to spread the word and get more people to use Product Hunt and engage and enjoy it? And some of the things that we did for that was, well, one, the product itself naturally led to people sharing it. So it's a combination of, one, people who are enthusiastic to share new things, new new products, new apps. They just naturally would share because they also want other people to discover these things. But we also had the makers of these products as well who were actively sharing their product on Product Hunt. So in some ways, the the product and the design of Product Hunt itself lent itself to sharing, which led to growth and acquisition. But then we also did more tactical things like, you know, following what worked before Product Hunt. I also did more writing and wrote uh, kind of more in public about the things that we were building and involved the community during that process. And that led to, in some cases, like guest articles and Fast Company and things like that, which, um, you know, today doesn't lead to significant user acquisition at our current scale. But right. in the earliest days, another 100, another 200 people joining the site because of that article was super meaningful. So there's kind of a number of, of things like that that we would do and, you know, combined with welcoming people, emailing them personally, saying, hey, glad you're here, you know trying to make it a, a memorable experience to keep people engaged was very important in the beginning. Yeah. I mean, that sounds, sounds a lot like our story and that our, our blog was really powerful in the early days as just early marketing machine, sharing the lessons we learned as we were building intercom ourselves and hoping someone else could use that to, um, you know, jumpstart whatever it was they were doing in the product side. And it's interesting. You mentioned the personal emails, which I think is great, but I mean, it doesn't exactly scale, of course, so how does that same philosophy, that personal approach manifest itself in what you guys do today? You're right. It's, uh, I can't email everyone that signs up today, unfortunately. But you know, in lieu of that, well, maybe what I'll say is when it comes to tactics or ways you grow and or engage a community or, or even a product in general, there are things that work in the beginning and then there are things that don't work because you hit a certain scale that, that you just stop doing. <laughs> So in some ways, you constantly have to reinvent your processes and, and tactics to grow your community or achieve whatever goal you're, you're trying to hit. And for us, you know, a lot of the, the personal approach is it can't be me, Ryan, emailing people anymore. But instead, we facilitate and want others in the community to connect with each other. 
in the and what I mean by that is, you know, it's it's well, it's not me connecting, it's other people connecting with other people and facilitating that type of connection makes the product hunt community feel one vibrant but also personable in a place where others can connect and actually build real relationships. So I think there's a lot more we have to do to facilitate that, but that's those are some of the ways that we think about making product hunt still have that kind of personal feel and and um, making it a fun, memorable experience when people join the site. Right, sort of making it feel small and, and tight-knit and welcoming and whatnot. Taking a step back, though, I mean, what what to you are the pillars that define a healthy community? And did you really know what those were when you set out to build this thing, or did they come about naturally? Yeah, you know, I, I haven't actually, you'd think think I would, but I haven't actually defined that uh, in a specific way, to be honest, quite yet. But what I what I will say is like a healthy community in the very beginning, going back to, to some of the tactics that we used to grow the community in the beginning, what we knew is that we couldn't just get a couple hundred people on board and then have them engage and then just just like hope that people stick around. We had to we knew that we had to grow the number of people because inevitably they'll be churned no matter how great your product is. Some people will leave. And the last thing you want is, you know, three or four weeks after you've launched for there to feel like there's actually less activity and less engagement. And so it was almost like the day that we launched publicly, we had this this treadmill that we had to keep running on. And that treadmill uh, required us to continue to grow that audience, to get more people visiting the site, to make it feel, one, like Product Hunt was was growing in a cool place to be and, and a fun place to engage versus the opposite, which would be, oh, wow, this community used to be so vibrant like a month ago. Now it feels like there's less comments and less upvotes and that kind of thing. So... I think a healthy community, one feels like there's activity and engagement and you don't go to a place. The last thing is you, you don't want people to go to, you know, a, a website or a page where it feels like it's a ghost town. Uh, you want it to feel almost like a town hall or a community where people are coming together. I mean, look at Reddit as, as a great example. Reddit is is massive now. It's I think the number of monthly visitors like reaches close to the population of the U.S. right now. And if you go to the homepage, I mean, you'll see thousands and thousands of people upvoting and so many comments. And then you'll dive into even these most niche uh, subreddits and you'll see this whole community of people engaging around every single topic you could imagine. So what they've just really figured out is you just need this, this, uh, these places to feel alive, ultimately. The other interesting thing there, too, that I think plays into this is we talk all the time about building an internal culture within your startup. But Product Hunt has its own culture within the product, pretty much. Uh, was that really set by those early community members themselves, or did you do anything to try to influence that? Because I know with internal culture, it's said that you know the worst thing you can do is try to control it. Ultimately, yeah, yeah. We that was also a key thing that we paid attention to is how do we create a culture in a community that we are proud of and that we know people would want to participate in. So there's a few things that we we did. Some of them are product related. So one thing that we we wanted to do and, and ensure is that people use their real identity. And even to this date, we don't allow companies to sign up uh, under their brand name and engage on Product Hunt because immediately it starts to feel one less personable. It feels more markety. And the reality is people want to talk to the person that made the thing. They want to talk to the founder, to the designer, to the marketer, the person that built that product. And so Product Hunt is kind of a unique place to do that. You really don't see that anywhere else, maybe outside of Twitter, but that's, you know, a very different type of 
platform and, and uh, kind of dynamic. So some of it was in the product design itself. And then a lot of it also was just trying to demonstrate the ways that we want other people to use Product Hunt. And what I mean by that is in the earliest days, a lot of the comments were like me and other people on the team just because, you know, it's it's early. There are not a lot of people using it. Right. So what we knew is that we were like, okay, we need to get people to talk to each other and get people activated and engaged and make this a place where it doesn't feel like a ghost town. And that was one motivation. But the other part was also to demonstrate sort of the culture that we wanted to facilitate. So in, you know, a lot of things we would ask is like asking the the maker of the product, like more of the backstory, like, why did you come up with this? Or asking questions that elicited uh, a response. Makers were motivated and excited to share their story. And also then avoiding other things like criticizing in a very negative way. I think part of the the process of launching a product is really scary, exciting, all of those things. And the last thing you want is someone, you know, shitting on your product and saying how awful it is. Now, we do want, yeah, you know, uh, useful feedback and, and critiques, but it can be delivered in a very respectful way. And so by doing that ourselves, we, in the very early days, created kind of a culture of, of that type of um, uh, respect and that type of an engagement. Yeah, well, I think it shows that people really respected what you were doing, too, and that you were able to use a certain tone there that people latched onto. Yeah, and I think it's really important. I mean, in an alternative reality, or if we mess that up, you can imagine product hunt being a really negative, toxic place. And if it was, makers and people wouldn't want to launch on it. They wouldn't want people making fun or criticizing what they built, ultimately, because that's it's very demoralizing. And instead, what we really want is people to be excited to launch on product hunt, be excited to get feedback, and be a kind of welcoming community for those people. So... Today, things have changed. So the community is a lot bigger than it used to be. I think I've, I believe you guys have driven more than 100 million clicks to different product websites, which is pretty incredible. How have you managed to balance volume and quality as the community has scaled? Because obviously you have less and less influence on the curation at this point. Yeah, we're, you know, in some ways, as it scales, we get higher quality in the sense that we have more people participating and upvoting and effectively curating that homepage. But you're right, it's it's very different in the early days where we had a few dozen people contributing products. You know, part of what we, we've done is the obvious things like improving our algorithm, which we don't share like specifics of how it works, but but we're pretty transparent on the dynamics. It's basically number of upvotes um, and then some time decay effects so that, you know, products that are posted later in the day have a chance to rise to the top. We're, we've also introduced some, some kind of experiments around surfacing things that people may have missed that are popular. For example, not everyone, unfortunately, not everyone visits Product Hunt every single morning. Uh, a bunch of people do, but not everyone. So if you're a, a user that maybe visits once uh, every week, we actually show you the products and the cool things that you may have missed that week. And this applies not just to logged in people, but even logged out users. So you can see you know, maybe a product that got 2,000 upvotes that was really interesting to the community, you'll see that ahead of maybe today's top posts. So there's sort of ways that we're trying to introduce high quality, I guess, content and cool products to the world um, through things like that. And, you know, in Q4 and, and next year, we're exploring other ways to help people ultimately find the products that they really want or the best products for a particular use case. Parts of what we'll build off of our reviews that we introduced a couple of weeks ago, you know, reviews are, are new for us and it allows us to actually 
get a lot of input from the community on what they really like and what they also don't like as much so that we can create and, and curate products uh, in a smarter manner. So you mentioned something there that I was really excited to talk to you about, which is sort of the, the stickiness of your product. And going back a bit, you were a contributor on like one of the premier books on driving engagement like this, Hooked by Near Isle. And a big part of engagement is stickiness. So like, what onboarding methods are you guys using at Product Hunt to make sure that users are able to find success quickly, that they're able to get in and feel included and find something of value? And are there things you've tried that haven't worked as well? Yeah, it's, um, you know, there's different types of people use Product Hunt differently. And I think that's an important, uh, an obvious, but an important thing to recognize with any pro- product is there are different people with different motivations. And so just in the most simplest form, there are makers uh, or people that are building products that use Product Hunt. And then there are people who are more consumers who are just discovering, exploring products. And they both, and of course, there's people that have overlap and are, are effectively both. But those two different roles have different use cases and different ways of using Product Hunt. And so in the case of makers, a lot of their motivation is a combination of, I want to launch this thing and get feedback and get users for my product. And in some cases also kind of do uh, competitor or industry analysis or monitoring. Like if you're building, let's say, something in the cryptocurrency space, you there's a high incentive and a reason for you as a maker to follow that topic and to discover what other people are building in that space, for example. And then on the consumer side, there's there are different motivations there, but primarily it's I want to stay up to date in what's cool and new in technology, or I want to find a particular product, like what's the best gift-making app for my Mac, for example. Um, and so, you know, we've, I guess, created various experiences for both of those audiences. We have a, a lot of experiments that we're still actively running, one thing that I'll I'll mention though is that Product Hunt, unlike other social communities, is actually one that's majority of people don't log in, and a majority of people visit the site even every single day without ever logging in and engaging. And so a lot of our focus has been how do we facilitate and build a good experience for that audience? How do we ensure that they have a good experience without having to log in because for whatever reason they just don't want to engage or don't have a reason to. And that's completely fine. Consuming 100% is, is also just fine as well. And so going back to what I mentioned before and like showing popular posts that they may have missed, those are things that we built not just for logged in people, but for logged out users as well to make sure that that experience was also enjoyable. You know, when you're visiting product time for the first time, we also show what was popular that month. So that's intended to, to really curate that feed so that it really shows the best content possible. So you mentioned those two use cases there. I don't think there's a single marketing plan in software these days that doesn't have a line item that says something along the lines of post on product hunt. Did you always see that as a use case for this or has your relationship with the marketing aspect of the product been contentious at all? Yeah, it's in the beginning, honestly, I didn't have the foresight in how product hunt would become almost like a launch pad for startups and makers. It was more about me and some friends sharing cool stuff that we found. But quickly what we realized is in the beginning, people would post a product and then that maker or, or that founder would see in their Google Analytics, uh, they'd see where's this traffic coming from? It's from this, this website, Product Hunt. So they, in some ways, would discover Product Hunt through their analytics itself. And as a result, they would come to Product Hunt and start answering questions and engaging 
And that would then lead to additional users visiting a site, more conversation, um, ultimately just like a win-win for everyone. And when we found that out, we're like, oh, wow, this is, this is really what Product Hunt's becoming. It's becoming a place where makers and consumers can connect with one another. So when something is posted to Product Hunt, let's make sure we get the makers of every product involved. And so we would actively, um, you know, before it was basically just me as the, the only community manager at the time, uh, I would spend my mornings finding the Twitter handles of these makers and inviting them and saying, hey, these people just posted your product over here. They're asking questions. Do you want to join and give them an invite? And I would do that, um, you know, for the first hour or so of, of every morning. And as a result, it, it led to a lot of our early growth. And it also started to sort of solidify what Product Hunt was about in many ways. And, you know, to date now we have about 80% of the products on the homepage have the makers involved, like answering questions and sharing and engaging. And so to kind of answer your question, it's actually a great thing. It's, it's creating a unique place on the internet where these two audiences can come together. It's really the only place where you can ask, you know, the maker or the founder of a product a very particular question and, and get it answered. It's very different than other platforms and certainly different than traditional like press or blog publications or announcements. And ultimately, I think it's a great thing. Now, it does result in people trying to game the system, and, and we knew that would happen. It happens on Reddit. It happens on Hack the News. It happens in really any kind of community or UGC site. And you know, we just continue to, to implement things to protect against that and try to create a feed that's representative of what the community really likes and thinks is cool. Well, for our audience of makers who are looking to be able to engage with your community in a meaningful way, what are some things that they can do uh, using your platform to set themselves up for success? I mean, the first thing that comes to mind for me is just, you know, avoiding that type of marketing speak jargon and really getting down to speaking on a, a more personal one to one level. But I mean, what else have you seen? I think you you hit on, uh, the nail on the head on one of them. Um, a personal pet peeve is people that sound like robots that sound like it was written from a PR agency. And you know, the community sees right through that. They, they appreciate people who are real and authentic and doesn't mean you, you can't be promotional and talk about why you're excited to show, show off your new product, but, you know, doing it in a more human way, I think is important. There are some sort of basic staples too, that apply, not just to product hunt, but to really any launch in general is, you know, one creating copy that's compelling. Like your tagline should probably not be awesome, beautiful app. You're going to love it. Like that's not very communicative. It doesn't say much about what you built. Instead, you should create a tagline and messaging that communicates what the thing does and, and maybe who it's for to some extent so that when your target audience reads that, they're like, oh my gosh, I need that. I want that. Um, the same thing is true for the thumbnail or the images is, itself. Like thumbnails and, and images and videos can communicate so much in such a, like in a few seconds and making sure that those are compelling and communicative is also important. And then the other component that we, we actually announced yesterday is something called SHIP, which is something that's been an evolution of, of many things we've been experimenting with at Product Hunt. But essentially, it's a toolkit for makers and startups to, one, announce upcoming product launches and start gathering emails and feedback and communicating with their audience before they've actually launched or finished the product. And something we've been beta testing with a number of people, some people use it for beta testing their audience or getting feedback from a, an audience or just collecting emails before they're ready to launch publicly. And it actually, it's, it's kind of ironic that we're launching this because much of what we've done at Product Hunt over the past nearly four years 
has been basically things like this, creating email lists, communicating with our users, sharing early mockups, getting feedback. And we've seen the the importance of involving your audience and your community during the development process, uh, both pre-launch and at launch and, and after launch. So our hope is that SHIP will help makers and startups also build better products and build an audience before, you know, launch day. And so, yeah, hopefully that's something that will, will kind of be a core staple in the community in the, the months to come. It's funny. I remember, I think it was an AMA with you. I can't remember where it was uh, listed online, but from a few years back where you said something along the lines of, you know, when we, when we reach scale, we'll explore tools for product promotion. So I guess here you are in some respects. One thing we haven't mentioned yet that I definitely have to bring up before we get out of here is, of course, last year's big news, your AngelList acquisition. Congratulations on that. What drove you to go that route rather than raising another round of funding? Was it just getting what you needed to release products like Ship that came out this past week? Yeah, so it's it's kind of it's funny. I was before we made the the acquisition announcement, I was looking over, you know, writing a blog post to announce it and I was going back in my Twitter feed actually, back to I think it was 2011 and I I'm such a nerd. I used to actually browse AngelList or Fun and look for startups and just explore what people were building. And there was a tweet back in 2011, um, basically saying that, and it was in some ways like foreshadowing to what Product Hunt eventually became in some sense. You know, AngelList is a, a company I've admired and, and been following since really the very beginning. And historically, what they've been focusing on is, you know, ultimately they're building for startups and their belief is that, you know, if we can allow and, and support more and more startups to thrive and succeed, that's great for the world ultimately. And to date, what Angelus is focused on primarily is one, fundraising, of course, helping companies raise money, and two, helping companies recruit and hire great talent. And so those are two pillars, two staples that every company, effectively most companies struggle with and are challenged with. The thing that they've never really focused on is user acquisition. That's something that we've done from day one. We're all about product discovery. How do we help companies find users? And so when we came together and speak with Naval and team of you know, what, what would this look like? It made a lot of sense. And there's a lot of, for lack of a better word, synergy when it comes to we're focused on the same audience, but really we're solving different problems, different problems that are, are very uh, poignant for the startup community. So together it's how do we help companies raise money? How do we help companies hire great talent? And how do we help companies get users ultimately? So it's been a great fit. We're loving the environment and sort of the, the culture here at Angelus has been honestly a pretty easy transition for us and the team and and good fit for us. So, I mean, it's been a big year for you guys. You've had major launches recently like Ship and Ask Product Hunt, which we haven't had a chance to talk about, but is a really interesting project in itself. I mean, what's next for Product Hunt and what's next for you? Yeah. So we're um, we're actually in 20 minutes doing Q4 roadmap planning, uh, ironically enough. You know, a lot of what we're focusing on is how do we help people find the best products or products that solve their particular need? And it's going to be building upon some of the things that Ask Product Hunt has achieved and and the reviews that I mentioned earlier. Those are things that give us a lot more signal and uh, ability to curate great products through the community, through what they've recommended and, and reviewed. And so historically, Product Hunt has been a lot about here's what's new and cool in tech. And that's certainly what we'll continue to focus on. But how do we also help people find the best products? Uh, so that's an area that we're exploring more of. 
And then the other area is kind of building on ship itself, uh, adding more features and getting feedback and ultimately trying to build a great tool set and uh, platform for makers and startups to reach an audience, connect with their audience, get feedback and so on. So, you know, from from day one, we focused on product discovery and that's still our primary goal. But Product Hunt also is becoming, in many places, a, a place for the startup and tech community to, you know, I keep using this word, but build better products. <laughs> that's our ultimate goal. And so those are kind of the two broad areas that we're focusing on over the next quarter or two. Great. Well, Ryan, listen, thanks so much for joining us. I know you got a roadmap to plan, so we'll let you go. Yeah. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Inside Intercom podcast. For more episodes, visit soundcloud.com slash intercom. If you'd like to subscribe, search for Inside Intercom in iTunes or Stitcher. And for even more great content, check out blog.intercom.com.